3: This is the Lombardi Line with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard on v
1: We welcome you in. It's another edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM from downtown Las Vegas with the NFL playoffs upon us. College football season, Mike Pritchard in the rearview mirror somehow, mm-hmm. some way. He is a former national champion in college football, a former wide receiver with the Colorado Buffaloes, Mike Pritchard. I'm Ben Wilson. Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass, and Mike, not a game we'll necessarily be telling the grandkids about uh, someday, 65-7 <laughs> last night for Georgia over TCU. Uh, but this is always a day for you as a, as a former national champion. Mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody always asks, okay, what's that feeling like? Take us in the locker room. I gotta think your feeling though was a little bit different than what the Georgia players were feeling with such a rocking chair winner last Yeah, night. we
4: had a nail biter. 10 <laughs> yeah. to uh, nine against Notre Dame back in the day. But, uh, and then the Rocket uh, took back a punt that was called back because of a clip But, no, you know, yeah, rocking chair. I like that reference for Georgia. Back-to-back, though. I I think that's uh, what's outstanding about this situation. Not the game. Uh, You know, people will assert the SEC once again, right? Uh, They're just dominant over everybody. The top is. Not the entire uh, conference. But, um, no, it's a back-to-back national championship situation for the Bulldogs. And I know a lot of Bulldog fans. uh, And, you know, that was one of their goals. Right. And, and they accomplished that, uh, outstanding performance. Uh, when you watch the pregame, uh, it's like TCU was the JV team. They looked like that mm-hmm. compared to what Georgia looked like on the field right there. And I mean, that was so evident. And then Dykes with the comments at halftime that we were kind of wide eyed in that first half. No, no, you're just overwhelmed uh, because Georgia is really that good.
1: And at that point, it yeah. was too late. 38-7 yeah. and oh, a yeah. half. Georgia covers all the numbers. The overs cash as well. Georgia handles that by themselves. But from the betting perspective, it's probably a good lesson in the sense that as much as we love a good Cinderella story, yeah. it's just in our DNA as collective fans and as bettors, TCU as high as 150-1 to one in some shops mm-hmm. preseason to win it all. In reality, though, you have to take every matchup authentically and use the context provided not to just try and make excuses or get yourself to a path that leads you to believe okay this Cinderella can actually do it because as much as TCU was over to, able to overcome a lot of the variance this season Mike against by far the best competition they faced right it was not ever going to be competitive and yet the betting market a lot of interest until about 24 hours before kickoff it was all in the horned frogs and a lot of really smart people were convinced they could keep it a game, and uh, it's one of those games where you look at it in <laughs> retrospect and say, yeah, not a good bet if you like the Yeah,
4: no, I was tracking it live, uh, the live line, uh, because we were in a book, uh, just a group of friends. James Salinas was there too, and uh, friends from, from high school. And um, it's like that live line just kept going up.
1: It I you and I, we, were probably, we were probably thinking the same thing. Like, can we get in on Georgia live if it's a slow start? And yeah. then uh,
4: very quickly, we realized. Oh, yeah. I no. mean, in, in the 40 range, it was a consideration. Of, okay, you're, the Georgia's land 40. Okay, can TCU cover that? Nope. That thing got up to 48 kept going to 52. Uh, and then it got juiced at 52 because, okay, the game was almost over. But, oh, man, no. I You know, I, I think from a betting standpoint, and maybe a pro tip, too, uh, off the bat here, Ben, I, for Cinderella, you know, and C- Cinderella happens, it, it's rare, but it does happen. And I think betting, we get caught up in the story. We get caught up in the hype of the situation, of, in the story. Uh, and maybe emotionally, you know, we make decisions that way as betters. But uh, if you can separate that uh, and, and really just, I, I mean, just the eyeball test in terms of the pregame, when you watch Georgia and you look at TCU, you like, How are those kids going to have a chance against that football team right Mm -hmm. there? Uh, And yeah, I mean, it kind of played out that way too. I mean, they were overwhelmed uh, as soon as they took the field.
1: And the other part that really stood out to me, especially this year from, you look from week zero on to now from college football, if you're comparing betting college football to NFL, Mm -hmm. for CFB, so much more of a situational type handicap sport, and in a sense, like how I went about handicapping this year was almost, it was completely different than how I handicapped NFL, which is so strictly numbers-based, right. analytically driven. Situational spots do come up mm-hmm. from week to week, but college is is almost purely driven by that. And we tend to, especially in the college football playoff setting, even though the entire season we were betting situationally in college football, say, well, every team has made it to the Final Four, so they have to be really good. You kind of throw the situations aside. And yet, what actually happened? Georgia comes off a... Very poor performance against Ohio mm-hmm. State in the semifinal. We're, quite frankly, lucky to win that game and be in the national championship. And TCU got just about every break in the book <laughs> and and played as good of a game as humanly possible against Michigan in the semifinal. The reality was, you look situationally and kind of apply those same principles, right, Mike? It, it should have been at least logical to come to the the type of game that ended up happening
4: yeah day. i mean absolutely I, I think from my own personal experience so we played for back-to-back situations in the national championship we played my junior year we played for a national championship my senior year we played for the national championship so uh we did it in reverse we lost the first one won the second one um but that long layoff i i think is key for betters like the long layoff from the regular season to the first playoff round or if you want to call it that the, the semifinal. um you know, there's more game planning. There's more um, uh, more involved. You know, there, there's more in terms of understanding the opponent, right? Uh, and, and then there's the, the hype of it, too. Uh, and then, you know, you have the layoffs, so there could be a, a rust factor. But now you turn around in, in, a, in a, almost like a week, a, a, a normal week of preparation, that's when it's really different, right? And so I, I think I don't know if betters would have looked at that, the longer layoff into the semifinal to the shorter layoff or, mm-hmm. or the shorter time frame. Uh, to the final, I, I mean, Georgia was just going to overwhelm that football team from TCU. Uh, you know, a lot of points, and maybe bettors were chasing the points and, and betting the points. I mean, I've heard that a little bit, but uh, just the eye test alone, uh, Georgia was the right side.
1: Eye test doesn't always manifest into yeah. what, they, what the eyes tell you, but in this case, it mm-hmm. uh, certainly yeah. did. Well, now the question going forward, can Georgia become the first team since Minnesota from 1934 <laughs> to 1936 uh, mike you were not uh, you were not in this on this earth yet
4: uh, no nope. neither was mine. i was a twinkle in, the, in my mom's twinkle eye. in
1: the mom's eye back in 1936 <laughs> when minnesota three-peated georgia's plus 275 favorites the opening odds courtesy of DraftKings, to a next year's college football national championship we'll have a lot of guys back the main loss will be the the outstanding defensive tackle jalen carter who announces after the game he is declaring for the draft but a ton of underclassmen starters on that team. Head Coach Kirby Smart, what does he think about next year? Here, were, here, were, here was his statement after the game last
0: night. It was a big part. You know, He lost whatever it was, 15 draft picks and however many portals. You guys have reported it over and over, and we didn't gain anybody. So the development part was super, super important. I'm going to tell you another important day it was about three days from right now last year when he came in my office and he said, I'm trying to decide if I'm going to come back or ride off in the wind. He goes, I don't understand. Everybody's telling me that I should just ride off in the sunset and be the legendary quarterback that won a national title. He said, that's just not who I am, and he's like, I don't, I don't get it. Why should I do that when I have an opportunity to play again? Like, like why, why, why don't we go win it again? And you know, I'm kind of thinking, well, that'd be nice, but we lost 15 draft picks. I mean, it might not be that easy this time. And uh, he had full conviction that he wanted to come back and. Go opposite of the mainstream. Like like all he wanted to do, he was here I think a year with Jake, and he knew that Jake had left early, and he brought it up to me, and he said, I want to play. Like I want to go play football and prove to people that this is no fluke. We can do this. And he did everything he said he was going to do.
1: I had coach Kirby Smart on his quarterback, Stetson Bennett. That is basically the one piece George will have <laughs> to replace. But yeah. the irony of that statement, Mike, is – Coming into the 2023 season, every single position for Georgia appeared to be taking a step back from last year when they lose the record 15 draft picks. And Stetson Bennett was not viewed to be a guy to potentially bring a team together. It was an offense that could run in spite of the quarterback. What do you think now, turning forward, for a team that gets most of their primary skill guys back with the exception of the quarterback in
4: Bennett well and then Kirby alluded to it I mean the development of the players in the program I mean that that is essential like you know keeping your coaches intact I know they lost their defense coordinator when he went to Oregon right uh but you know yeah yeah. so you're, you're thinking about programs like this so not only from a recruiting standpoint but also look at the assistant coaches because development is so key uh, when we won a national championship, uh, I think we had six coaches that became head coaches on that coaching staff. Uh, so you know, it's, it's trending that way for Kirby and his coaching staff. Obviously, uh, it's been that too for Nick Saban. Uh, but the development of the recruits of these kids from 17, 18 years old up until whenever uh, they're going to depart and go to the National Football League uh, is so essential in, in addition to the recruiting. So I, I think there's there's one of four programs that have it going each and every year. You know, it's Georgia, mm-hmm. it's Alabama. Uh, I throw in Ohio State. Uh, Michigan, I'm not sure about. Um, Clemson, I'm not sure about. Uh, but, you know, that fourth one is, is up in the, uh, up for debate, I guess, right. you know, in terms of can they reload, you know, SC, is that going to be a program now with Lincoln? Or are they going to be able to do something like that? Uh, but those three teams that I mentioned are, are very reliable. Tennessee is a wild card, too. Uh, if they got that program in that direction as well.
1: Alabama second on the odds board, 5-1 to one behind Georgia, mm-hmm. who again opens at draft kicks, plus 275. The one other element to this, I'm glad you bring up Alabama, who does have the number one recruiting class coming into next year, mm-hmm. Georgia's number two for the 2023 recruiting rankings. There was that back and forth at halftime. David Pollock, the former Georgia oh. All-American, <laughs> got the death stare from uh, Alabama head coach Nick Saban when he <laughs> talked about how Georgia is controlling college football right now. Yeah. So the big narrative last year after Alabama was blown out by Georgia was that the best bet you could make was Alabama's win total over. It was 10 and a half. It was heavily juiced about minus 200. That was a lock. And yet Mike, it didn't work out that way. So as much as we can sit here and say these top elite teams, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a nice investment. Just bet their win total over and, sit back, relax, collect your money at the end of the year. It's not that simple. No, You really think, I mean, is Alabama, Do they? is next year the year they finally make the turnaround here? Uh,
4: you know, it's, it's going to be interesting because is O'Brien leaving, right? Bill uh, so, O'Brien. Bill right? O'Brien, I mean, uh, Dable left. Dable's a head coach in the National Football League. I mean, O'Brien, I'm sure, wants to be an, a head coach in the National Football League again. So uh, that's what I'm talking about from a coaching staff standpoint and the continuity yeah. aspect of it, too. So uh, I don't, I, Alabama's going to reload, but to go up against Georgia now, uh, the way that Georgia has it going, that's going to be more difficult.
1: The point is, don't just blindly right. rely on the behemoth yep. top-level college football teams, especially when you're having to pay a big tax on them to go 11-1 and or 12-0 and in the win total market. Just a takeaway to keep in mind as we uh, now go into the college football offseason. We'll transition to some NFL talk. We're just getting started here on the Lombardi Line.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN. With
3: Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
1: It is time to download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today and stop by any MGM casino on the Strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem... Call 1-800-522-4700. As we're just getting started on a Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line, Will Hill, outstanding VEASAN, do-it-all analyst, joins us this hour in about a half hour. And Josh Applebaum from the VEASAN Morning Daily Bets podcast uh, joins us at about 1.30 on the East Coast. Back with Mike Pritchard. I'm Ben Wilson. Time to get into our NFL playoff discussion, Mike. Mm -hmm. It's a good time for us to... Uh, to do this now as we've welcomed so many new uh, radio affiliates on the listening side as part of our new sponsorship in partnership with uh, sports map radio so for the people in uh, honolulu this morning waking up with us mike i love it 7 a.m i I was just thinking of everybody there watching the golf tournament this Mm -hmm. last weekend and they have the sony open uh, coming up this weekend but in addition to that it's really nfl time mike so yes
4: it is let's go
1: afc What are we thinking with the top three of Chiefs, Bills, Bengals? In you look at the order of odds right now, plus 180 for the Chiefs, Bills, two to one Bengals, plus 350. Obviously, you have to factor in the buy for Kansas City to a degree here, and and having the uh, the extra week of preparation and already being advanced through the first round of the playoffs. But am I am I crazy for thinking that the margin between the Chiefs, Bills, and Bengals is so razor thin that there probably shouldn't be a Uh, Plus 170 difference, essentially, between Chiefs and Bengals. To me, power ratings-wise, it just seems so tight between the top three.
4: Yeah, you know, I'm curious, too, because if you look at the Chargers at 12-1, to if they would have beaten the Broncos, what would those odds be? Because uh, I'm looking at how hot these teams are. You know, you think about Kansas City on the top of the list. They've won five games in a row uh, to head into the playoffs, obviously peaking. Um, The Bills, seven games in a row uh, peaking. Uh, You know, even though they had a little little dip maybe because of what happened, what transpired, the Bengals peaking, my goodness, eight in a row. Uh, And and then you had the Chargers up until last week, four in a row. Uh, So, you know, their odds are at 12 to one, the longer shot there, obviously. But, um, you know, I I look at these teams in in terms of the health. uh, You're going to favor, you're going to give that to Patrick because they've been there, done that, that kind of thing. Mm Uh, but I can't get the neutral site field out of my mind right now uh, with these matchups and uh, the potential matchups. So, um, you know, whether the bills or Bengals are involved in that, uh, you know, you, you got to factor that in, I think, in your wager here.
1: And at least for now, if we get the char- the, uh, the top two seating matchup, chiefs, bills, we'll get the neutral site set up there in the FC championship. Uh, hard to, yeah, hard to try and figure out how that changes our overall thoughts on the odds. At mm-hmm. least to me, Mike, if, The way you start with this, at least if you're wanting to make a bet on the AFC, if you believe that the Bills take care of business as a double-digit home favorite against Miami this week, you believe the Bengals against who knows if you're even getting Lamar Jackson at quarterback for the Ravens. If so, how healthy is he? If you believe those two teams win, you make a pretty compelling point that like unless you're really, really high in one of the longer shots, which Mm -hmm. we'll get to in a Mm second— It's probably not worth actually making a futures bet on the AFC because those games to me will be so coin flippy in nature. Betting spreads are going to be within three yeah, for bills, Bengals, any sort of chiefs bills, any sort of chiefs Bengals, a potential AFC title game matchup. It's probably not worth making a, a pre uh, playoff setting wager, at least to win the AFC when those odds are going to be so tight. Sure. And depending on who you have conviction on, you're, you're probably just better off betting them each and every week. Not, a, not a, Statement that a, a lot of you know fans and bettors want to hear because they want to pick on who's actually going to win it all. But that's the reality. When you get this as tightly lined as I think we'll, we'll see with the top three.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's really nothing separating them. I mean, other than the odds. I mean, I think if it's a neutral site situation, there's truly nothing separating them. Uh, we're talking about the elite quarterbacks in the National Football League right now, and, and they're the top three. You got Chiefs with Mahomes. You got Bills with uh, Allen. Uh, and then certainly Burrow. Uh, uh, and the youth aspect on the Bengals roster is intriguing uh, and the fact that they're duplicating what they did last year getting hot and then maybe that propels them and they go on the same journey uh, like they did last year to the Super mm-hmm. Bowl you know the Bills are on a mission um, and that's reemphasized because of Demar, obviously uh, and, and the focus is acute I think uh, and then the Chiefs their mantra is the AFC championship goes through Arrowhead but maybe not this year, though. It like, sort of does, right? But, right, <laughs> but and, and maybe that's, not really. And uh... that's why I'm like, man, I'm reluctant because the Chiefs are, are such a complete team and they're healthy, uh, and they're they're executing the way that they want to execute. They're dictating offensively and defensively. They've gotten better. Chris Jones is a monster. He's a wrecker. He's a game wrecker up front uh, defensively. But, but, a potential neutral site for Kansas City. I wonder how they would handle that.
1: Right. It, it, that's why, to me, at least for this week, from the overall AFC odds, probably not worth looking at any of the top three. It's, it's more, let's go down the board and try to figure out who who do we think can actually break up that, that mm. perceived notion of the top three separating themselves and being that elite group in the AFC. Mike, you've really liked this LA Charger team for some time. I have yeah. not quite been as, as much in love with them as you have. Uh, Chargers, though, will we'll come into a wildcard game against the Jaguars this weekend. In a really weird place because they decided to play all of their starters in a meaningless game. Chargers, by the time the game kicked off against Denver, had already locked up the number five seed after Baltimore's lost to Cincinnati just a few minutes earlier. And yet, uh, Chargers played everybody. Mike Williams, wide receiver, gets hurt with a back injury. X-rays, at least for him, came back negative the other day. He'll be questionable heading into the week really hard to know what to make of the mentality for LA here's at least how head coach Brandon Staley explained his decision an explanation we all were wanting to hear after the loss on Sunday
6: well we only get we only get two practice squad elevations for the game and you have to put a team out there and you can't decide when you're having to play a football game who isn't going to play and who is going to play and how you're going to subtract this. You got to go out there and play the football game because we don't have, this isn't the preseason where you have 90 guys to choose from. You only have 48 players to choose from. So you have to go out there. You have to field a football team. And so we did it the best we could. We wanted to play well in the game and then we wanted to be safe for next week. And that's
1: what we did. Okay. I understand that, but is putting when you've been banged up the entire season, you have, Two of the most fragile wide receivers yeah. in the game, Mike. You can yeah. speak to this as a, a guy who played in the league as a wide receiver for a decade. Mm-hmm. Mike Williams and Keenan Allen barely get through a, a single week staying healthy, and you—those are the two you decide to throw out there the entire time. Your franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert, you choose <laughs> to throw out there for three and a half quarters against a pretty uh, vociferous pass rush of Denver, who was playing to win that game and ultimately did. Doesn't add up to me.
4: No, I mean that's that's coaches speak right i mean we can diagnose this if you want but uh you're the coach translator yeah, do it for, yeah well <laughs> do okay it for okay brandon staley you 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 say that you only can have so many people active which is true um but you didn't have to go three wide receivers you could have went two running backs you could have went three tight ends i mean you could have done other things to protect uh mike williams right uh but you didn't do that uh and mike williams has back spasms now and That's going to be something that he's going to have to work with around the clock, trying to alleviate that situation if he can. But it could flare up in a playoff game. Uh, And then you go back to this past game, this past week, when he was out there on the field, and he didn't have to be. You know, Justin Herbert, they escaped that. um, But they did have backup quarterbacks that could have came in at any moment. Uh, Part of that active roster that you have right there. So I don't know. I mean, when you hear coaches speak like that at the podium uh, and, and they want people to believe them, uh, it, it, you wonder if he's in over his head, right? Now, I, you're right. I've, I've been high on the Chargers. I, I thought uh, they they had the potential of getting hot mm-hmm. because I thought they were just starting. You know, other teams were getting hot. And and for the Chargers to play the way that they did against Miami uh, with some backups, I, I thought that roster, I'm like, wait a minute, this roster is deep. Um, because all year long, you know, without Keenan Allen and Mike Williams too, offensively, they found some other playmakers. DeAndre Carter was out there doing well. Dasha Palmer uh, was doing right. well you know the tight end position two uh with uh everett came around and then austin eckler has been healthy so because of kelly in the backfield situation i i thought this team and that roster looked deeper than people for the first glance at it right and, and i think that's to be the case and now they're getting healthy well they were <laughs> so they're one of those teams that intrigues me uh you know at, 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 as a as a longer dog situation or a longer shot situation if you will for the AFC.
1: Interesting, cuz it's you can get him yeah. 10 or 12 to 1 yeah. and look the pro uh, as far as playing LA mm-hmm. pre-playoffs is that if you can beat Jacksonville which is a coin flip game, mm-hmm. you know the Chargers get a divisional rematch against a Kansas City team. Yeah. They seemingly always play tough, played two very tight games, two three-point games this season mm-hmm. uh, in in those two regular uh, regular season matchups. So it's kind of it's almost a bet on the the matchup the Chargers have against the Chiefs, right? I just don't know that you can, and we'll do our full breakdown of Chargers-Jaguars on the other side of the break. I don't know how you really can have that much conviction in, in the Chargers just going into Jacksonville uh, when the, uh, technically a short week of rest for them compared to Jacksonville and yeah. having confidence in them winning the game. I just don't know how you can look at it that way.
4: Well, you know, for the Chargers, they are a finesse team, but uh, Bosa needs to be out there along with Kilomac. Uh, I, I think the ja- uh, um, when you look at the Jaguars, they're so balanced too. Uh, that's going to be hard to deal with, but they're young. I mean, and they destroyed the Chargers too, so there could be a revenge angle uh, as well with the yeah. church. Justin
1: Herbert, Trevor Lawrence making their playoff debuts. We'll handicap that game for you next as we start our Wild Card weekend NFL previews. Chargers, Jaguars. We'll get into the nuts and bolts of that handicap when we return.
3: You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v With Ben Wilson and Mike
1: Pritchard. If you're looking for a betting edge on football's big game, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of only $9.99. VEASAN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by VEASAN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving every game. Deep Dive Betting Reports, VEASAN betting guides for the biggest games of the season where our experts break down brackets, best bets, and all the big game props do not miss out on this limited time offer visit vison.com slash subscribe today to sign up for only 999 and become part of the sports betting network that's vsin.com slash subscribe back with Mike Pritchard I'm Ben Wilson Pritch who played in a number of playoff football games I remember what the in particular uh, in 1991 your rookie season mm-hmm. made the playoffs yep Atlanta Falcons. Run and shoot, young team. Too
4: legit to quit. Too that, that that's too. right. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> that and <too. laughs> uh, and now we
1: have a bunch of teams this year who are, yeah. we'll, we'll see a number of players and teams who have not been in the playoffs for quite some time. Chargers and Jackson and uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are kind of the two teams on the top of that. Yeah. Uh, that list, but uh, I wonder what the week of prep was like for you guys back in the uh, the ninety one. Uh, Era, era falcons getting ready yeah. for many of you making your playoff debuts just like you
4: well we were a wild card team and you know for me i was a rookie but i was coming off a national championship so i'm like okay this is what it's, yeah, supposed, this is to it's like. supposed to be It's supposed to be right go to the playoffs perhaps uh win a super bowl but uh no we we got hot you know we swept the 49ers which was a dynasty at the time and we started to develop that confidence and then we went into new orleans uh and beat down the dome patrol what Vic Fangio, so the Dome Patrol, for you youngsters out there. Please uh, enlighten Ricky me. Jackson, uh, Sam Mills, Vaughn, uh, and Swilling. Uh, and you had Don Capers as the secondary coach and Vic Fangio was a linebacker coach uh, with Moore's defense and and they had it going. Uh, Bobby Aber was their quarterback and you couldn't hear yourself think uh, in the Superdome. But we were able to go in there because we were hot. Uh, we played our starters the last game of the year uh, and then we went in there um, ready to go uh, and beat down the Saints. Uh, now we went we ran into a buzzsaw, which was the '91 Washington team, one of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest Super Bowl of teams time, ever. Right? Like, yeah, just, Lord. that was the next round. You, yeah, it was the next round. One of the wild cards. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we won the uh, the wild card situation, and so um, you know, just re- keeping that momentum. I mean, that was what stood out to me, yeah. uh, and keeping that confidence. You know, you don't think about injury. I mean, we we go out there and play each and every week um and it, it, it you think about it right but it seems like the public or betters think about injuries more so than the players right uh because it's something that we're used to mm-hmm. you you get used to play right through it
1: and you had uh five catches 63 yards mike pritchard in mm. that game yeah my saints kid. were favored by six got off to a 10 yeah. nothing lead and then the falcons behind uh, michael haynes was yeah. the star of that game yeah, 144 receiving yards two touchdowns falcons yeah. got the win in Pritch's playoff debut so we wonder how will the playoff debut for Justin Herbert for Trevor Lawrence go. And much much like the the general sense of both teams and the storylines of an up and down season for both LA and Jacksonville, Mike, the betting market pretty much undecided on this game. Opening a pick'em. Some early money to the Chargers got as high as one or one and a half, mm-hmm. but we're back down. Some Chargers minus one still existed a couple books, but most shops have come back down to pick'em right now. As much as the talking points will be, okay, it is two quarterbacks in their first ever playoff appearances and it's a head coach in Brandon Staley in his first playoff game as a head coach you have to give Jacksonville the edge here not only for home field not only for the extra day of rest coming in but that was a playoff game last week Mike mm-hmm. it might not officially go down in the record books that way but Jacksonville just played a very nervy shaky game against Tennessee in a what was literally a playoff game yeah. in the regular season that has to be an edge to me Mike when you get through a game that way when you do not play close to your best and now get a team who is is trying to do a similar thing in, in their first playoff game for many different guys on the team.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that game was against Dobbs, who was making his first Fair. Ro- start on the road. And, and, that and was they the, should have lost. They should have lost. I mean, if that was Tom Brady on that fumble, they probably would have reviewed that a little longer, I think, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Who knows? You never know. Uh, but Dobbs, look at his efficiency here. 20 of 29. Uh, and now you've got Justin Herbert and his cast of characters, which is a a lot better than what Tennessee has. Um, I, I think, too, Trevor Lawrence was shaky. He was missing high. He missed wide-open receivers for touchdowns in that game. Uh, I think it was, was it Zay Jones uh, who was wide, wide open? Wide open. Wide open. He threw it through the back of the end zone. Uh, so there's obviously some nerves, and uh, you talk about your first time in the playoffs that way, That that played out a little bit um and, and you know to me jacksonville all year long has been battling the demons in the fourth quarter now they overcame the demons when they beat the raiders and then they got on a the roll they overcame demons on the road uh they started winning and they got hot you know they started to put it together i think they're more balanced too um if you do like the charges like I lean charges right now what i'm concerned about is the pass run ratio they are a step behind tom brady uh mm-hmm. and pass run ratio they're 65 35. Uh, but as of late, the Chargers have been able to get to the physical component of their offense and running football. Right when Austin Eckler's healthy uh, and fresh in the fourth quarter, but Justin Herbert, I think, needs to develop and build a lead uh, if they can. And then certainly that defense with Bosa uh, and Mac coming off the edges and and uh, you know that's the game plan, right? I'm just going over the game plan, you know, and making things difficult for Trevor Lawrence. Maybe he'll make some mistakes as a young player too. So. Uh, I, I lean towards the Chargers earlier uh, in the week right now. Yeah,
1: I, I find myself leaning Jacksonville, not a game I'm likely to mm-hmm. bet though pregame. And what I've struggled to to kind of come to grips with here on the Jacksonville front, talk about the lack of balance for the Chargers offense. How good is Jacksonville's defensive improvements been really? Because since week 13, Jacksonville is a top eight unit overall. They're sixth defending the pass, eighth defending the run on, the, on an EPA per play basis, which on the surface, Mike, mm-hmm. looks very... Very, very positive. Like, oh, Jacksonville, they are clearly making developments down the stretch of the season. But let's keep in mind, three of those games were against the following starting quarterbacks. Josh Dobbs of Tennessee, Mm -hmm. Zach Wilson of the New York Jets, Davis Mills of Houston. If I take the six-week sample size from week nine to week 15, which is when a lot of people point to the resurgence of Jacksonville beginning, we show you the schedule. If you're watching us on on VEASAN.com or YouTube TV, week nine started with the Raiders win, a four and two stretch through week 15. Despite the success in the win column, they were 29th in overall EP play, EPA per play right. efficiency defense. 31st against the pass. We're 8th against the run, but teams were throwing all over them in that stretch. And that was with real offenses. You go from Week 9, Raiders, Chiefs, by week Week 11, Ravens, Lions, mm-hmm. Titans with Ryan Tannehill healthy and the Cowboys. So that would be my concern on the Jacksonville front that these late season adjustments and improvements our a little bit of a uh, <laughs> You gotta
4: go there with Jacksonville, okay. You, you know, it's interesting because for me in the playoffs and we know the teams and okay, you don't have to scour the entire league and I don't even go back past December when looking at games because it, it's like what we mentioned earlier on in the show. I mean, teams are peaking now. Like is Jacksonville, are they playing their best football? The answer is probably no, even though they've right. won. Whereas the Chargers, are they playing their best football that they played all year long uh, as they got hot? I mean, you you can make make right. a case that they have been, and uh, getting healthier too helps. Uh, but like you go back to that first game, I wouldn't go back to that first game because no Bosa yeah. got hurt, and it well, uh, was playing
1: through cracked ribs. Cracked ribs. I mean, there was a lot of <laughs> different three.
4: circumstances. Yeah. So uh, you know, these teams will look at the tape and, and and look at some scheme stuff, but it's about matchups now. Yeah, uh, And Mike Williams is a key one. So keep an eye on that injury situation. Like, if he was 100% healthy, I wonder what the line would be. But I'd probably already bet the Chargers. <laughs> you probably would. <laughs> yeah.
1: I like to use the word balance, though, mm-hmm. because that, to me, is what will matter the most in this game. It's right. Jackson To me, Jacksonville's offensive balance mm-hmm. matters more than anything in the game. Because the Chargers, since week 13, number one pass defense in the right. NFL. They're 29th, though, against the run. But... Look at how Jacksonville generally approaches games from an offensive perspective with a head coach in Doug Peterson, Mm -hmm. who's very pass happy. Sometimes when they've gotten themselves into bad spots, there hasn't been much balance. Look no further than week 18 against Tennessee. Jacksonville only ran the ball 14 times. Mm. Previous three weeks heading into that game, Jacksonville was top five in the league. They were averaging over 31 and a half rush attempts per game, which to me, Mike, was a a direct correlation to offensive success. They totally got away from that last week against Tennessee. And it was a big reason why they probably should have lost the game fewer than five yards of play.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, when you are balanced like that, you can get to more offense, right? You can adjust and you're doing things well. You're running the ball well and, and you're passing it well as, you know, as well there. So uh, I think when you skew it, that means you believe in that quarterback. Like Justin Herbert, we, we talked about Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow being those elite guys. I mean, Joe Justin Herbert's got to be right there. Yeah, Like, if you watch him throw those passes, man, I mean, his accuracy, arm strength, uh, his willingness to thread a needle uh, is incredible. Uh, And so if you skew it to 65% uh, pass-run ratio, 65-35, then that means you believe that much in that quarterback. And uh, I I think in a situation in the fourth quarter, I would believe in that quarterback as well from a betting standpoint. Totally totally get that.
1: Total hasn't seen much movement from that front opening 47, market-wide 47.5 right now. I would just say, if, if you have conviction on Jacksonville, at least getting back to what had worked in mm-hmm. the, the previous three weeks from an offensive perspective, you have to think they try and establish the run more. against right. a pretty weak run defense, right. Travis Etienne, rushing props, anybody? I know. Yeah. I like that. Guy's pretty good, Mike. You got to use it. He's
4: really good. Absolutely. The Mike
1: Leans Chargers, I lead Jaguars. But again, these are just, these are Leans. This yeah. is a tough game to okay. cap, and that's why the market is very, very uh, mixed in its thoughts early in the week. We'll get Will's Hills Hills thoughts next. He's an outstanding Beast Do-It-All analyst for us. He's been giving us NFL thoughts all season. We'll get his wild card plays up next.
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi
3: Line on v with Ben Wilson and Mike Pritchard.
1: Basketball fans can turn a loss into a win with the King of Sportsbooks. Just place a single first basket score prop bet on any NBA game. If your bet loses, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets Wager confidently and take your game to the next level with BetMGM, an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Just log into your account or download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Then wager on any player to score the first basket in any NBA game. If your bet misses, you'll get up to $25 back in free bets. Turn game time into show time with BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager, new and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as is non-withdrawable. Free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. We are primarily a football show here on on the Lombardi Line with Mike Richard. (laughs) I'm Ben Wilson talking all things uh, college football, now transitioning into NFL playoffs. But I cannot believe that this Carlos Correa saga continues in Major League (laughs) Baseball. Apparently signing a six-year, $200 million deal... Uh, this is just breaking from ESPN's Jeff Passan with the Minnesota Twins. So he's going back to Minnesota okay. after physical, uh, the physical derails a deal with the Giants first and then the Mets second.
4: I, so you, you this can't, is insane. You can't count the deals that he signed then. Right? Uh, I, mean, I, I guess. You, I don't know how that works. Because they were void because of the physical. Right, physicals. because of the physical. Yeah. But, a,
1: I mean, you take, took physicals. I mean, yeah. getting ready for teams. How could that possibly happen? I
4: don't know. Well, his injury too is from years ago, right? I mean, yeah. I think Will Hill can talk about this uh, a little bit more, but uh, I, I thought his injury was from years ago, and he failed that physical the out there. It was the most bizarre nice.
1: off-season signing yeah. I can ever remember. <laughs> as we welcome in Will Hill, who is from New York, our outstanding and do-it-all analyst. Uh, Will, Correa <laughs> was a met for, what, a couple weeks? And now, what a, what a weird saga. We won't spend too much time on this. It just amazes me. This is still ongoing as of today, and now January the 10th, when we thought this deal was locked up uh, about a month ago.
6: Yeah, he got over $300 million from the Giants. He got over $300 million from the Mets. Now he gets two hundred from the Twins. So that's what, $900 million he got this one, right? <laughs> sure, I don't know that he yeah. gets to keep, keep Way to the Way to lower money.
4: the market, owners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and
6: that, hey, like uh, look... There's uh, there's some wording in in these tweets here that reporting the deal is done pending physical. So you you take that as a foregone conclusion, 99 percent of the time. But uh, I guess until he's on the field for the twins, until it's officially signed that you have to uh, consider that. And it has to be a serious injury because, you know, over 300 million with the Giants and the Mets. Now that deal's almost been cut in half. I think he got 350 million from the Mets, something like that. So he's he's down to 200 million guaranteed. You got to figure there's something there that uh, there's a reason that contract got sliced basically in half.
1: Just, I just can't remember another situation like that. It, uh, I think it, the it owners
4: is, are lowering the crazy. number. do so, I
1: don't think so. Mr. Mike, my conspiracy, Pritchard <laughs> yes. over here. Uh, anyway, Will, we're getting now into our NFL wild card thoughts and handicaps for the upcoming week. Mike and I a bit of difference in opinion, but you know we both don't feel intensely. Strong about Chargers, Jaguars. Mike tends to lean Chargers. I, I kind of like the spot here for the Jaguars. What say you on the Saturday night matchup there in Jacksonville?
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm abandoning my Jags. They cashed some nice uh, some AFC South tickets for me, <laughs> yeah, but I'm go. jumping off the ship. That was not that impressive of an effort Saturday night. You know, if Dobbs doesn't fumble the ball, if they just run it three times and punt, you wonder if the Jags could have driven down the field. And think about it, that's a third string quarterback that was on the streets a couple weeks ago. And, and you know, the Titans had a beat really most of the game. Probably should have won the game. And if you look at this win streak for the Jags, and again, I've been on them, but it, it's not hasn't been that impressive. It's been the Texans. It's been the Titans uh you know that cowboy win doesn't look as jets good a well, few yeah. weeks later exactly the jets with wilson so to me the chargers are just so much better at the quarterback position the one thing you can really do against the jags is throw the football uh, i think the chargers you know can exploit that why they had all their guys out there in the third fourth quarter i don't know especially an injury prone team like the chargers you know they've gotten plenty of flack for that but to me the the Chargers are just better all around uh, i think you can exploit that the jags secondary and i think uh Look, we're going to have either Herbert or Lawrence two wins away from the Super Bowl. So it's a good story either way for the NFL. I think the Chargers move on. Uh, if you can get the one and a half and you can tease the Jags up to seven and a half, that's probably a good look as well. I do like the Chargers to win the game outright. But uh, Chargers, obviously, a team that, that plays pretty much nothing but close games. So uh, that one one and a half really doesn't matter when you're laying it or taking it. You can just take a money line, but it does matter, obviously, in terms of the teasers.
4: Will, just your general approach when it comes to betting uh, the NFL playoffs, because, I mean, we can try to find all kind of betting angles at this point. We can kind of go through every bit of information if you want to, if you can do that. Um, I'm curious, like, do you cap all three phases, you know, offense, defense, special teams? Uh, or, and then certainly, do you have a more simplified uh, approach uh, when you're capping uh, these games in the playoffs?
6: You know, I, I'm pretty much I'm a big underdog. Better, I think. You know what? I, I try to stick to that in the playoffs. But you do have to consider that the favorites. Uh, you know, one reason you usually bet the underdogs. The favorites aren't always motivated. We see the Chiefs; they're not always motivated to cover the spread. You know, if it's week 11, you're not going to always get a, a favorite that's uh, motivated, that's focused in the playoffs. That motivation, that focus, is there. So it's a little more dangerous where you see these better teams sort of pull away. So that's something to keep in mind. And I think. Uh, just in terms of player props, look for the superstars to go over. I know it's sort of a, a square way of thinking, but hey, it's the playoffs. It's You want to feature your best players, so the chases, the Stephon Diggs. Uh, you might pace those guys throughout the regular season, just spread the ball around, but when you got to have it, it's a must-win game, win or go home. I think you see the better players. You, you know what? You want to win, win or lose with your best guys, so uh, I think you'll see some of the the marquee players uh, go over. I think that's a good look.
1: And he is Will Hill. Give him a follow at NotTheWillHill on Twitter. As far as individual matchups, we start with Saturday. Third meeting this season between the Seahawks and 49ers, Will. And you think about where the betting market was at in the prior two meetings. It was San Francisco, minus 9.5, all the way back week two when Trey Lance came into that game as a starting quarterback. It was Niners only laying three, though, on a Thursday night back in week 15. Brock Purdy's first career start on a short week. So what do you make of the number now? It's pretty much blanket 10s. Back in San Francisco, a couple of books have gone back down here to nine and a half for this uh, Seattle-San Francisco rematch.
6: I just think it's a tough matchup for Seattle. Like I said, I usually look to bet the dogs, but both this, this is a really tough matchup. And San Fran beat them 21-13 on that Thursday night. That's a misleading final. Seattle scored late in the game when it was 21-6, I think, to make it 21-13. And then if you remember, San Fran took a knee at the Seattle one. They almost broke run for a touchdown. So that was a dominant performance by San Fran. Uh, Seattle's just not good against the run they gave up 150 yards per game rushing they gave up five yards per carry both you know bottom five in the league and then you get a San Fran team that can just gash you with the play calling with all their weapons uh, so I would only look towards San Fran I don't love laying the 10 if it's ever you know it went from 10 and a half to 10 if we ever get down to nine and a half you can use San Fran as a seven point teaser but I would only look towards San Fran here I just think look Seattle did They were life and death with a a dead Rams team, and they really needed a bunch of breaks. They needed that roughing the punter call, which was very debatable. I I hated the call. I thought it was a bad call, really um, not fair to the Lions of all teams. And you know, that game went to overtime. You had to work that hard at home just to beat the Rams. I think this is a a tough day uh, for Seattle here. I would expect uh, the 49ers to pull away. It's really too bad we don't have the Lions in the playoffs. The Lions would make this a lot
4: more fun. The Lions were playing really well here. Yeah, how about another rematch? Uh, the Giants uh, and Minnesota. Minnesota's laying three uh, across the board here. 48 and a half is the total, Will. I mean, uh, in terms of the Giants, I mean, you're out that way. Uh, you know, Dave will make a decision with some key players. Uh, and then Minnesota and what they've been all year. What do you think?
6: Minnesota wins nothing but close games. So I, you know, I don't know if we'll get a three and a half. I'm sort of biding my time here. If I see a three and a half, I will take it with the Giants. If I had to bet it at three, I would still take the Giants. I just think, look, Vikings won by a field goal a couple weeks ago. Their offensive line is in much worse shape. They're possibly down to a third-string center if Bradbury doesn't play. They lost their the right tackle, O'Neal. Cousins is not a guy, if you get pressure on him, in Martindale, we know the Giants are going to blitz, blitz, blitz. If you get pressure on Cousins, he's not Mahomes or one of these guys that can can roll out and make a play and extend a play. He kind of crumbles. You know, he's just going to throw the ball away or take a sack. So he's not good at extending these plays. So I think that's a tough matchup with the offensive line. Uh I can't lay any sort of points here with the Vikings. So it's maybe Giants or pass. I would hope for a three and a half. I'm not sure if we're going to get it. Uh, It'll be fascinating to watch that line, but I I look towards the Giants plus the points. If if the Vikings win, probably buy a field goal again.
1: Yeah, and most, i am seeing painted threes across Mm -hmm. the market. A couple books have started to shade the three towards Minnesota, minus 110, minus 112, minus 115, but nothing uh, nothing outside of that, at least so far. Last game to throw at you, Will, with Baltimore and Cincinnati, another rematch just played last week. Where do you think the number ends up going? It's six and a half right now, but a lot of injury question marks, especially on the Baltimore side.
6: I think... Uh he is the team that's everybody's darling right now they're the flavor of the month so I think it'll go to Cincy I think this line assumes Lamar's playing so if we get news that he's playing that'll be interesting to sort of counteract everyone's love for Cincy here uh, look no point in betting six and a half it's like betting two and a half might as well wait for a seven might as well wait for a three when the line's two and a half so if you like Baltimore wait for a seven I do kind of think we'll get a seven here just with everyone's love for Cincy but I like Baltimore. I think, look, if you're going to give me Lamar, I know you have to worry about Russ, but he's a really good quarterback. You give me Harbaugh, Lamar, Tucker. Yeah, I just don't like laying points against Harbaugh. It's like laying points against Vrabel. He's just a, they've played really good defense too. And, uh, you know, he's just a, a good coach. This is uh, teams that are familiar with each other. Since he only got 15 first downs last week. So Baltimore played tight. That's with that a third string quarterback. So. You know, I, I would expect Cincy to move on. There'll be a popular teaser piece, but I like the Ravens with the points.
1: Great stuff. Will, you have any yeah. uh, any futures live here going into the playoffs?
6: I don't think so. I got some awards. I would very much appreciate if Brian Gable would win the Coach of the Year, but uh, I don't think I any Please. All right, <laughs> we'll we'll
1: both be rooting that on. Yeah, yeah. That should, that, I look. He's the rightful winner. He that should catch for you. We, Thank we, you. We wish you nothing but the best. There. Will Hill, give him a follow at not the Will Hill. Always kind of give us some time here on the Lombardi Line as we wrap up our number one on the show. Some top headlines around the NFL. will begin our NFC playoff previews when we return.